why do we wake up in the morning and paint? We're not painting because we want a journalist to come and knock on our door and say, oh, you know, you're fabulous. We are painting because we want to paint. I paint because I have to paint. It's like breathing, isn't it? Yes, it's almost as though there's nothing else you can do. (laughs) Welcome to episode 87 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and today I'm bringing you a conversation with not one, but two of Australia's leading painters, Davida Allen and William Robinson, who not only are both Archibald winners and Queenslanders, but have been friends for over 40 years. Although they share their thoughts about the art world and their work, their painting styles and personalities are very different, which I got the impression might be part of the secret to their long friendship. As I record this, Davida has a show with Philip Bacon Galleries in Brisbane, which runs until 28 March 2020, and William Robinson will be showing with the gallery in June and July of this year, and I'll be speaking with him again closer to that show. Bill is one of Australia's most important internationally acclaimed painters, so to get his insights into Davida's work was an absolute privilege. Apart from winning the Archibald, Davida is also a four-time finalist in the prize. She's had over 20 solo shows and has had three major survey exhibitions of her work. Her paintings are held in nearly every major state gallery as well as the National Gallery of Australia and the MoMA in New York. She's also a novelist and has written and directed an internationally acclaimed film. William Robinson has won the Archibald Prize twice, the Wynne Prize twice, and his work is held in over 30 public collections across the world. And he's the first Australian artist to have a gallery dedicated to his works. The William Robinson Gallery is located in historic Old Government House in Brisbane. All the works we talk about in this conversation are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. We met in William Robinson's magnificent studio at his home in Brisbane. I started off the conversation by asking when and how they met. We've known each other since probably about um, the early 80s, would it be, Davida, do you think? We've known each other that long? When did I send that? It might even be into the 70s because you used to come down to visit us at, at, uh, at Birkdale. And uh, Sophie was a little girl. Before that, you were at Kelvin Grove Teachers Training College... And I sent you a card because Betty Churcher was always saying she wouldn't cope if she didn't have you in the next room. Remember? <laughs> and I sent you I a card. I don't remember that, no. Yeah, Rob, <laughs> I called you Robertson. Oh, I do remember that, strangely enough. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Dear Mr Robertson, mm. <laughs> because I wanted to meet you because Betty raved about you as a friend I would have sent that card to you in the middle 1970s before I went teaching at Kelvin Grove. Can't you remember that? I was back at Kelvin Grove uh, from 76, so that's when we would have met. And that's when I joined Ray, actually, 1976. And that whole association of you teaching with Betty Churcher, being with Ray Hughes, we were destined to meet. But... Also, the fact that you had the, ch- the young children at Birkdale and I would have had Sarah and Peter and we used to visit you. I can clearly remember Shirley's containers of 
goat's milk in a wooden little house shed where people would come and buy the goat's milk. But we weren't sharing our art tricks of trade then. We weren't helping each other in the art world. We were both people who had kids, weren't we? Yes, and I think because I was doing so much teaching, I hadn't developed into anything really at that stage. Yeah, they were the, they were the early pictures of Shirley in slippers in the bedroom doorway. Yes, that's right. They were domestic interiors of, that I was doing. I hadn't even come to terms with the chooks or the goats. That's right. No, it was long. So that's how long we've known each other. But then slowly but surely I became greedy, didn't I? And I knew you had all the answers and that's what the relationship has been, that I've sucked you for the information I wanted for me. <laughs> that information isn't gossip. It must be of another kind of information. Uh, we've shared practical things about making art, but we've also shared the fun of just painting. I mean, I'd ring you up and say, oh, I've finished a painting, and you said, you'll say, but David, you only... You only started a week ago. You'll still be doing the veil on the wedding yes. image in these latest ones you've done. So we're, we're chalk and cheese. So, Bill, did you talk about your actual works with each other? I think occasionally we, we did. It was like a sort of two boats colliding in some respects. And Davida is quite correct. We are two vastly different personalities, completely different and uh, and yet uh, I can see uh, a real expressionist. Uh, you know, expressionism is one of those things that's easy to sort of copy in a sort of superficial way. But uh, I could see the real goods in Davida that she couldn't do it any other way. What she was doing was completely her and completely natural. She didn't even have to look at a German expressionist or any other um, sort of episodes of expressionism in order to do what she did. It just poured out from her, this expression. And you can see why I love Bill, because he always has believed in me. And, And you need that. You need that as an artist, don't you, Bill? You need a mate who says you're okay. (laughs) You do need that and there isn't much of it there. You do also need to sort of survive the bad days, the sort of um, not only being ignored but your work being talked about as though it's of of no worth. Well, we've both shared the bad times. I can remember you laughing that the... um, Queensland Art Gallery had put one of your pictures upside down <laughs> and I got a picture upside down in the Courier Mail. <laughs> so we were, we were both even. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we better not specify just exactly when. <laughs> no, but I can remember you being a bit upset. and um, I think mine might have been out of order. Out rather of than order upside rather down. Than upside down. Yes, there are some artists that do do figures upside down. I might have been doing <laughs> figures upside well, down. Well, maybe it was. I, I can remember you were really oh, upset. Oh yes, it could have been a landscape. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Where I was using experimental perspective uh, yes. combinations. Yes, it could well have been that. But I've even been uh, exhibited upside down with work at uh, Ray Hughes Gallery. Really, I bet. <laughs> 
too. <laughs> Mentioning Ray, I think it's really important to also say that our history, we were two artists with Ray and, um, and our memories of Ray are very similar. Uh, he was, there was no one like him on the face of the earth and we were totally and utterly um, in his almost like a sect. If you look back at those years as artists that were emerging, um, Ray really was quite extraordinary. But then... In what way? What, in what way? Well, he was extraordinary that he was hungry for our imagery. That was addictive, wasn't it? Yes, that is true. That is true, yes. However, I can also remember I was... I've never felt so jealous in all my life as when I had the Sam Neill show in the 80s in Sydney and Michael and I were upstairs in the coffee tea room and Ray had maybe one, maybe two other art dealers and who were they speaking about? You, your cow pictures. They weren't <laughs> interested in my fantasy with Sam Neill and I've never... It, Michael thought it was very funny because it was my show and Ray was selling Bill Robinson cow pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were they showing at the same time? No, no. Bill, Bill was just Ray's newest, most exciting artist with these cow pictures. He was... He was on the top of the moon with you coming to him and with these incredible pictures. Mm. Well, I think Ray was probably much more sort of um, uh, used to romantic relationships in paintings, but he wasn't used to farm life. If anything like farm life didn't belong to Ray's <laughs> way of living at all. But he sold the pictures, Bill. He sold the pictures, that's right. Hey, do you think it's do you think a gallerist is important to have it's important to have a good relationship with your gallerist or, or they can have an input into your work or your direction? Well, we're both a bit similar in that because as we've got older, we've both realized that it's it's lonelier. We're very aware, aren't we, that you've you've got to find your own energy for things. The art we don't need we both left Ray Hughes. Um probably over the very similar thing, that we both felt we'd grown out of needing his care and attention. We didn't need it. We needed our own independence, didn't we, Bill? Yes, well, that is perfectly true. I did need my own independence. and But when I left Ray, I was just sort of sitting, wondering what on earth was going to happen next because I didn't have any plans I just, oh, so you weren't going to another gallery? No, I didn't go to another gallery until the gallery came to me. What's important is that people actually never lose that sense of educating their eye and going up and closely seeing how painting is built and why it's built that way and how it's built that way in colour, in form, like, for example, I can give one example of when we were overseas in one of the Scandinavian countries and, and we saw uh, um, 
Well, I, I actually saw a, a number of Rembrandts in Scandinavian countries, and the thing about the ones I remember mostly is that they were shown with a certain amount of daylight. Exhibitions these days are quite often all lit up like a theatre set, and there's no daylight. The, the, the drama is in the curating. Um, but these were in the daylight, and I could see the actual three-dimensional quality of the paint of, of Rembrandt, his vulnerability, if you like, his humanity. And it's a very quiet thing, in a way, mm. to be able to see and understand those things. Betty Churchill did point out these things, I think, to... to uh, a great extent in her notebook series where she went and did a number of drawings from works of art. Mm. And um, uh, I came across a quote of Degas recently and I'll tell you what that was. I, it may not be exactly the same, but it did say that, you know, if you want to be an artist, you have to sort of... This is from his point of view, not, not quoting me, but Degas, um, that you have to... Uh, copy the old masters over and over again until you get it right. And when you've got it right, you may be allowed to paint a turnip from nature, except it was a radish, not a turnip, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, isn't it lovely listening to you now? That's probably, when I paint, it's completely instinctive, but only... The, in, the instinctive um, atmosphere in my brain and then through my hands when I'm painting, you have to have a truth before that. So I have to build up a repertoire of knowledge and that, that knowledge then becomes truth and you know it so well that you can just go and do it. For instance, now I've put my entry form into the Archibald for this year, just as an excuse to do a big picture, just a one-off big picture. And I know it's going to be about me being a grandmother with these eight grandchildren that I've got that I adore, but in adoring them, they're so avaricious for my attention because they know I'm going to give it to them. So... After a few years, and the eldest now is almost 11, I have that repertoire of knowledge, which is the truth of what being a grandmother is, and I can go and paint that picture. And it'll be, a, it'll be instinctive. And also, I am aware if you are painting instinctively and passionately, it has to be hit and miss. And that's why I've become a ruthless editor. A ruth I'm more ruthless about editing than I am about painting. And you and me in this last exhibition, this current exhibition I've got of these grandchildren, mm. I'd send a, a JPEG image to Bill on his um, computer and here this morning, he's actually printed out all the little pictures I've sent him to let him know how I'm going. 
And I said to Bill, well, that one, that one's not around anymore. That one went to the bin. And, oh, no, there's only half of that. That's changed. Oh, no, and there's a few different ones that have been added there. So you do have to be a really ruthless editor. Mm. I, I have to become a ruthless editor. Mm. And so if Bill to- said something to you about a work, would you, that you would take that? Um, no, I wouldn't take the slightest bit of notice. No, it's just that I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm looking at what I like in artists is what I like in artists is not perfection but the debris of life. The debris of life is which is, you know, quite often in, your, in paintings. And um, I'm interested in Davida vetting her paintings. It's not for me to, to vet them. Bill's the only one I talk to. <laughs> um, I, I don't have any other mentor. I don't have any other person who I actually bore by sending 10 JPEGs, hoping that they're not too big, um, knowing that he's got to look at them and then respond. So I'm very, very aware of Bill's generosity in being there to open the email and then to write back to me and say, that looks really good. We live in a society, I think, which is not so much about doing, but being entertained all the time and our time is filled in with looking at our mobile phones and things like that and our computers. Now we're worried about our children. And from here, what I was interested in fairly recently was kids being brought by a group down to the creek here for a day in in the bush, you know, away from the screen and away from... Technology. Yes. Mm. And I wonder, but obviously that is so acute to me with grandchildren that I'm aware that they wake up in the morning. Um, For instance, this morning I went down and actually said hello to one of my children, said hello to Anna, who had Reese, and Reese is meant to be going to kindy this morning, and Reese had just woken up, and Reese said, Oh, can I have the computer? You know, the first thing, and his mum grappling with, No, you can't have the computer, you've only just woken up, we're getting ready to go to school. All that sort of worry that the children and the grandchildren have makes it even more important that I can paint and that, mm-hmm. and, that, and the grandchildren will come to me and they know that I paint. It's almost um, a secret that something else is happening. The show that I've got now with these pictures of grandchildren, I became almost religious in wanting to get these pure innocence, hanging on to the innocence of the little little beautiful things of grandchildren, the way they sit on the floor. I can't do it as an old lady. It's, you know, I'm 68. There's no way I could sit on the floor with my two legs backwards and my yeah. knees crossed. It's like a... <laughs> a carpet snake turning around and they do it with such ease mm. and they they dance beautifully. They're, it's the innocence. Mm. 
Actually, I'd like your opinion, Bill, on this. I could ask you, Davida, but I'm going to ask Bill. How do you feel that they compared to the painting, the early paintings that Davida did of her own children? When I think you were saying they're more cathartic sort of works. Where you yes, well, Me being and that was because she was a much younger woman, and I think. I think um, when when you're a young woman who has a, a very young family, and I mean, I know that because I can't experience those things like giving birth and looking after babies and and them becoming your life, I know that, and I know that you know painting is a very sort of selfish thing, but. Davida's earlier paintings of children were almost like, like the child has entered the world and almost owns you. <laughs> and she painted quite often pictures like that of a, of a child um, as a, almost like an icon of, of new life owning you. And then the difficulties of life that... that you know, come in marriage, in uh, so forth. They're all set out throughout Davida's life, punctuated by, uh, you know, the losses that people have, like the loss of her father, um, uh, the pictures with Sam Neill, um, which are to do with... Um, her imagination um, and her association with people, but along with it too comes um, even to a certain extent um, imaginary characters which were invented. Davida's work is about invention and um, these pictures are quite different because they're about her grandchildren mm. and there's a, there is a difference this is where Bill comes in really importantly. Bill, poignantly, this particular time of my life, I rang him up and I said, Bill, how can I paint what I want to paint? I can't paint with these children. I want to paint, but I, they'll come in and stay the night. I haven't got a room of my own anymore because circumstances have it that I live in a granny flat now because I didn't want to have anything to do with people coming and visiting and staying the night. And I built the granny flat, not imagining that the grandchildren would come and stay. And it was Bill who said, no, you won't be able to do grandiose oil paintings in your granny flat with the grandchildren staying overnight, but you could go and get beautiful arches paper, very strong, um, heavy, heavy gram arches paper, and you could also go and get the best quality um, oil crayon. Mm. And he then told me if you go into the Google and, and type in oil crayon, you'll actually see that Picasso was in the same boat at some stage and went to his friend, Mr. Sanilia. Okay. and said, I want to do something quickly. Um, I don't want to be tied down by time that I have to set up a board and an easel. And it ended up now in 2019 
Davida using Sennelia oil crayon on Archer's paper. Thank you, Mr. Bill Robinson. Yeah, they're beautiful works. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to the show, actually. Oh, it's a wonderful show. It, there's, it's just unique and um, I think extraordinarily vibrant. Mm. It's life itself. I wanted to talk briefly about the Archibald because you've both been winners. Well, Bill's done it twice. I've done it once. Have you done it three times? No. No, twice. Only one. You're only one up on me. <laughs> it's, well, even once is an amazing feat, I must say. Um, and uh, how important is it to get a, to get a likeness? You have to. For the Archibald, you have to. Um, I don't know if that's written down on paper, but... But as, a, as an artist, when I did win the Archibald, I knew the exercise was I, I didn't paint that picture for the Archibald, interestingly oh, enough. Oh, really? I painted it from a pure emotion. My father-in-law did the most extraordinary thing. He was a very private man and he'd always put his shirt on if someone outside the family came to visit. Mm. And this one particular day, I visited him and he was in his garden watering Celtus trees, which was like a canopy of privacy around his house in Ipswich, and he didn't put his shirt on. And that piece of life was the blade that went into my artist's brain, that I have to paint that. But then as I did it, there would be, I wanted the heightened exercise, which is frightening to me personally. I find it really scary when you put the discipline onto yourself that it has to look like that person. It won't look like that person if you don't totally know that person. So anyone who knew John, it's the mouth I got right it is a John Mouth. Anyone who knew that doctor in Ipswich knew it was him because of the mouth. So you don't have to be totally the eye, the ear, the nose, the mouth, the physique. You only have to get one or two things right anatomically. If you know your subject enough, the instinctive emotion. Mm, that's very interesting. What about you, Bill? I mean, with all your Archibald entries have been self-portraits. Uh, the Archibald is a, is a particularly strange thing because it's given a, a lot of importance and I thought that there was only one way to go about it in, when, I, when I entered it with me and a cow in the first place, showed that it was to sort of be a bit sort of obscure and difficult and rather, not stupid, but um, sent it up in a, in a way that not everybody realised that it was being sent up. Mm. And um, so, I've, you know, I, I used to sort of enter again when I thought I had a, another way to provoke... You see, that's the word. That's what that's what you and I have enjoyed in our relationship. We've enjoyed the fact that 
you have provoked the art world in your Archibald pictures. Did I win the Archibald before you? And then you, you did. I did. You won it in eighty six, and oh. I won it in eighty seven. Oh, were you the year straight after me? Mm. Besides that, I think in those days you could provoke, which brought out a, a degree of independence. Whereas, strangely enough, my observation of a lot of contemporary art is that it's starting to look like other contemporary art. And although they use the word subversive, subversive has to be very provocative, not just an odd word added to a bit of craft. See, this is why I love you, Bill, because you're an art historian, you taught art, you know how to bring in different references from art, like just before you were talking about German expressionism when you were talking about me. Well, I can remember German expressionism as a student with Betty Churcher and she showed me those German expressionists and I thought they were great, but I've never thought of myself as being of a movement, whereas you'll say, oh, yes, you are, Davida, you're the movement of expressionism. Well, what does that mean, Bill? Well, it means that um, I suppose all of us can be linked one way or the other with different ways of expression um, over the history of art. Would you always inject humour in a self-portrait? Well, I think I would even if I was doing it today. I'm not a person who would paint my life as a series of disasters which I must remember and show with every line in a picture. I've had disasters in my life, but um, they're not things that I share with other people. Um, I think the last thing that you should ever lose is a, is a sense of humour mm. about yourself mainly, particularly if you can do it about yourself as an artist because um, the art business is terribly, terribly serious. Mm. It's still about importance. Well, do you take, I mean, Davida, do you take criticism to heart, if an art critic was going to be negative about your work? Well, you can't. I, I've learnt that I simply don't, I don't bother anymore about what people say. Having said that, I must burst out laughing in talking about the Archibald and what people say about your artwork. When I did the portrait of Philip Bacon, which actually got hung in the Archibald, mm. it was very like Philip. It had to look like Philip yes. or it wouldn't have worked. But Philip, knowing that he had to make a comment, he did the funniest comment and said that he thought the, that particular painting was an orthodontist's dream. <laughs> yeah, and I I've that, never yeah. forgotten that. That was so witty of him. He can, as a dealer, he can play the media. The media out there will say things that are totally and utterly opposite or will depress mm. me personally. Mm. And there's an expression. The, the, the worst thing is not that people are talking about you. The worst thing is they're not talking yeah, about you. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And so I think we've, we've become older and wiser and we're going to paint no matter what people say. We're still going to paint even if no one wants the pictures. Mm. And, and you actually get that confidence 
um, I'm so much more less angst about the world and what they think of me and my art than I was as a young woman. Um, it just doesn't matter anymore. You know, the most important thing is that I can still express in, in oil paint or oil crayons or drawings that I can do it. And it's become almost um, something, it's almost like a comfort that I can do it. In the olden days, it was olden days, but, you know, as Bill said, in the days where it was a cathartic exercise. I've got the most amazing drawings in my drawer of school holidays, 1983, self-portrait of this drawing of me with my teeth gnashing in my mouth going up this way and eyes looking like they're going to come out of my ears and these screaming babies. That was a cathartic time, whereas there's very little cathartic um, needs anymore. It's all just love and joy. Mm. And with your work, you've been, you've, you've been very personal with your work. I mean, um, there's obviously the Sam Neill suite that was... That uh, I'll never live down. <laughs> that's right. Well, talk about the media. Um, they obviously wanted to latch onto that one. But that was a very bold thing for you to do to sort of depict, you know, um, a sort of... Well, uh, everyone says that, Maria, but but it wasn't... Again, we're getting on to this topic of media. Mm. When I painted the Sam Neill pictures, it was no different from any other thing I've done in my life, that I suddenly had this interesting thing that I was watching this movie called Riley Ace of Spies. This has been done to death by the media, this yeah, story. Yeah, I know, I know. But the, the media is going to latch on to something but like I, that. But I, I didn't think of the media. People, artists don't think of media when you do something. The media comes after. And if I had my time again, yeah. I can tell you I would simply never have gone there. Really? Because the media was so invasive mm. and, and they came into my personal arena um, quite against my permission um, and now I'm notorious and you can't get rid of it on Google. Mm. I'm notorious because of the Sam Neill fantasy and a woman imagining um, having sex with an actor. I mean, it's absolutely crazy stuff. And yeah, it is crazy because, I mean, it's not that unusual. Well, it was in those days. It was unusual for a happily married girl with four children, mm. married to a doctor, yeah. living on a farm, doing paintings of fantasising with a movie star. Mm. To me, that was just a thing that I was interested in doing. Yeah. But the media loved it and the media... What was the, the most amusing thing that I have as a wonderful memory, and you always dwell on the good memories, not the bad memories, and it still makes me laugh. Our daughter, Sarah, who didn't get expelled from school when she shaved her head and put a earring of an echidna in her ear because she didn't get expelled because I went and collected her from assembly before she got expelled. She went into the local news agent mm. and got 
this magazine called the HQ, which was all about me and this movie star image that I was painting multiplied by 50 drawings. And she got into the car and she read it and she said, it's pretty bad, Mum. (laughs) Pretty bad. (laughs) Pretty bad. She read all this thing about her mother and I thought, if Sarah thinks it's pretty bad, it must be bad. And I still laugh. Yeah. And we've all we've all gotten over it. The kids didn't seem to sort of, they were all too young to really realise. But it was an invasion and it made me notorious. And if you Google Davida Allen now still, so my grandchildren, my grandchildren are going to know all about their grandmother and Sam Neill, you know, 50 years on it's it's all become funny one of the things that often comes up um, with interviews in the podcast is whether uh, it's hard for the artist to get into the flow of painting when they start or is there a procrastination period or how do you do you start oh, off in the day well it's the hardest thing about uh, painting I think for me anyway is a when you've sort of prepared or almost prepared an exhibition, you've got photography, you've got the catalogue, you've got framing and all the rest of it. And these are things that are not actually to do with the physicality of painting itself. But once that's sort of done, you do sort of sink in a way into a a period of... um, silence um, and wonder about direction even. The last paintings that I've been doing are about the Esplanade and Moreton Bay and I will continue that for a while. They're smaller pictures, Um, smaller pictures because standing up for three hours is an impossibility but sitting down for three hours is a real possibility. Um, But in order to do those pictures, which sometimes have uh, 70 or 80 figures in them, little figures, uh, I have to do many, many drawings. So I I have, at the moment, I I sit down with my drawing book and I draw as many things, as many things as I can and jot out in pencil. These are all not very flash at all. Uh, little compositions and things like that until I'm ready. Well, also, we just uh, just touched on um, social media and and we talked about technology earlier, so I just wanted to ask both of you about your views on uh, or pressure that you might feel about being more out there in on social media or in that way, or is that is that something that you don't even consider? Oh, well, I don't consider it because I'm not out there. We're lucky because I think we're has-beens as far as we're not up-and-coming. Social media are really interested in the up-and-coming artists. A lot of the up-and-coming artists would want to be in social media. They'd go out of their way to make sure that their art or their faces would be on social media. And neither Bill nor I use social media. Well, you are both going to be on social media in the lead-up to me posting this interview. So thank you both so much for your time today and such an illuminating conversation. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's been a pleasure and thank you, Bill, for letting us have this interview in your home. It was very generous of you. It was. You're welcome. 
What amazing artists. If you're in Brisbane, make sure you get to Davida's show before it ends at Philip Bacon Galleries. They're stunning oil pastels on paper and are just full of life. Also, if you'd like to hear more about Davida's childhood and early career, listen to her interview with Sarah Konoski on the ABC's Conversations podcast, and I'll put a link to that on the website. As I said before, I'll be catching up with William Robinson in July when he has his show with Philip Bacon Galleries, and that exhibition will coincide with a curated show by the book at the William Robinson Gallery, uh, which sounds very exciting, and I'll be telling you a bit more about that on social media as well. And as you probably know, uh, the show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to everyone for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. That's really helping get the stories of Australian painters out to the rest of the world, and I'm very grateful for that. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. I didn't want these pictures to be portraits of the grandchildren. They weren't meant to be... Uh, this picture is definitely Reese, who's four. This picture's definitely Finnegan, who's 10 going on 11. I didn't want it to be them. I wanted it to be the essence that I've learnt in watching Eleanor skating, in watching Finnegan playing, in watching Percy ride through the paddock. I wanted it to be the essence of what children do. 